I am fantasy author Elle Penelope, and welcome to My Imaginary Friends, a look behind the scenes at an author mapping the worlds in my head and making them a reality. Hello friends, today is Saturday, April 20th, 2019, and this is episode 10 of My Imaginary Friends. I'm Leslie. So today I am coming to you from Chicago, from my hotel, which looks over this park and then beyond I can see the water of the lake. And um, so I guess I'm right downtown and I'm leaving today. I've had a a great time in Chicago. It's been cool. Um, And this episode is special because I have a special guest, which we will get to soon. This is not an interview show. I never planned to do a lot of that because otherwise, I mean, if I did that, it would be overwhelming. And there's so many interview writing podcasts that I wasn't going to bring anything really good to the table. So unless I thought that I was going to uh, bring something new and interesting, then I didn't want to do it. But uh, my special guest today is my brother, Paul James, who is an actor. And I thought it'd be really cool to talk to him about creating characters. So that is coming up. Uh, But first, this week's best thing. So this was my birthday week. My birthday was on Thursday. And uh, I was, uh, if you listened last week, I was at the conference and uh, the DPLA, Digital Public Library Conference, which went really great. My panel was great. Um, Jane Friedman moderated and she is, uh, she's a writer and she's like really well known in the indie community. And I I subscribed to her uh, paid newsletter, which is the hot sheet, which is great for indie authors to subscribe to. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes. It's got industry news and um, I just find it, you know, I like to stay informed in a non- stressful way. So at first, when I became an indie author, I was just consuming all the news I could. I was on K-Boards. I was on The Passive Voice. I was listening to The Selmar Book Show, which is a podcast of news for the indie world. And at a certain point, I just got overwhelmed. And so I had to scale back. Um, and so I, I, I peek into things at different times. But um, I know that the Hot Sheet newsletter is where the Summer Book Show podcast gets a lot of news from. And um, and so I figured, okay, I'll just, I'll read that. It comes out, I don't know how often, every couple of weeks, it seems like. Maybe it's monthly. And um, get, you know, and, and, they, and they, it's Porter Anderson and Jane Friedman, and they do this newsletter, which is, I recommend it if, you're, if you really want to be deep in the news. It is, I mean, it, it covers some traditional publishing things too, so it's not just for indie authors. But it's the it's the state of things, and they they go to conferences all over the world, and and so they're getting a lot of interesting news. Um, and I happen to be someone who is always interested in, like I said, in, in input and learning and getting all of this information that I may never do anything with, but I might. I mean, I think it it, it forms a like a base layer. So anyway, long tangent. The conference was great. Um, shout out to Rand Walker, who is an author who won the. Um, Indie Author of the Year, uh, which is something that's associated with the libraries. And I was actually on the judging panel for to give out this award. So they gave us the finalists, which the finalists were chosen by the libraries. I think there was like the local libraries and library consortium of indie authors. And so this is the National Indie Author of the Year. So I will link to Rand Walker and um, check out his books. He's got a lot of them. He's deep in the streets in the indie world and just doing really cool stuff. So congratulations to him. And that was really fun to meet him. And um, so that was the beginning of my birthday. And then um, 
I met up with my brother, we had lunch and dinner and hung out a bunch. The day before, I actually got to go on set with him. So he is an actor and he is shooting a TV show. They just changed the name, so I was going to shout out the show, but I don't know what the final name is going to be. But I'm sure if you listen to the podcast uh, in the future, I will be definitely talking about it when it comes out because it won't be out till this, uh, probably this um, fall or winter. And um, it's going to be on Netflix and he is the lead. It's a big cast though, but he's top of the call sheet, so I'm very proud of him. And so I was on set with, uh, you know, just watching it all go down. They were on location shooting at this nightclub and it's going to be a really cool show. I'm super excited about it. I'm not going to say too much about it since I can't even tell you the name of it, but stay tuned <laughs> and you'll learn more about it. And I think our conversation um, that comes up later will be really fun. And uh, so this, this week was full of best things because um, Game of Thrones came back and I'm not going to talk about that, but I was super psyched about, about that. Um, and I don't, I can't um, live tweet TV shows that I'm really focused on because I, I need to focus like on the show and I can't be on my phone. But afterwards I go back and I look at Twitter and because um, I happen to be, my husband's out of town, so usually we watch together. So I didn't have anybody to talk about it with. So I went on Twitter and just looked at all the memes and especially Leslie Jones from Saturday Night Live. She, you know, shoots little clips and does commentary and, and it's great. And I love feeling like, you know, you're part of a community watching the same thing, talking about the same things, um, being excited about the same things. Um, so that was going to be this week's best thing. And then I forgot it was my birthday. It's a long week. It's been a long week. When you travel, it's a long week. In writing news, uh, I got feedback from my agent, Sarah, on Cry of Metal and Bone, and she was really excited about it. Lots of exclamation marks. She's a very high-energy person, which is great, but she, and she's looking at it. It's really interesting to get her feedback because she's not an editor, and some agents are more editorial than others, so she's not really an editorial agent. I have friends who have agents who will like, do a developmental edit on their book. Sarah, I know, is looking at it from the market perspective and from um, so reading what's in the marketplace, in the genre, having other clients in the genre, and, and knowing what their books have done, um, how well they've done, and, and so knowing how readers have responded to certain things. And so I value that. And she was very, very positive about the story, which, um, which is super helpful. And it helps me fight against the like the desire like when you send your someone your book and and all you got because positive feedback you're like well on the one hand that's great you know but on the other hand like you kind of were trained to want and expect negative feedback or not even negative but like criticism like okay well this is good this could be better and we're always trying to make things better and if you've gone through writers workshops then you know you can't go to a workshop with someone's writing and be like oh this is perfect this is great like nobody is going to accept that. You kind of, the culture of the writing workshop is finding things to improve, and um, and so Sarah, you know, she has given me substantial like good feedback on other projects where I've gone back and used that and made it better. And so I kind of have to trust that if she had something to say, she would say it because she has before. But it's always still like, oh, she loved it, but like I wish they had said something negative that I could fix, you know, or not negative or critical or, you know, whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm happy though. Now my brother is reading it and he has all kinds of things to say. Not, not a lot, but he, he actually really likes it too, but he sees some things that, that could be better. And now it's just a matter of looking at the date, looking at how much time I have and, um, kind of a triage, like what, 
is the biggest thing that I have the time to fix that I, I need to. There's going to be stuff that I have to let slide. I know that. But, um, and he's coming at it from a perspective of like, for example, there's one, there's one chapter where there's these two characters who are opposed, like one of the protagonists and one of the antagonists. And they have this tension filled meeting. There's no, you know, action or violence. It's all very like words, like zip, zip, zip. Um, and he had a really good point. He's like, well, what does your antagonist want in this scene? Like he brings her in, the other character, and they have this challenging conversation, and then she leaves. And it's full of tension, but like, why did he do it? And what did he want? And I was like, hmm. And I realized I didn't know what he wanted. I wanted to have this cool scene, which was zippy, and it serves a purpose to move the plot forward. But it, um, I, don't, I don't know his motivation, because I was coming at it from the protagonist's POV, and it's her POV scene. And so stuff like that, where I could probably fix it with a few lines, you know, where he he hints at or she guesses at or something, you know, he hints at his motivation and what he wants from her and what he's expecting. And maybe she pushes back against that. Um, so that is something I could feasibly address. There's other stuff he said where certain chapters are a little slow or um, that I don't know that I can address right now. And it is frustrating. Um it's good to have the feedback and, and maybe I can, maybe I, you know, as I read through and do my final checks, if I can figure out a way to address some of this stuff, but, um, knowing about it is kind of a blessing and a curse. Like I want to know about it because maybe I can hit it in copy edits, you know, too, if I think about it for a little while, because here it goes, I, I'm going to start, turn it into my editor on May 1st. And, uh, one of three things will happen. I will either get a long editorial letter, which I have gotten from her before. I will get a very, very short editorial letter with like, here are two things to change. Or I'll get, this is great, it's going to copy edits. And I don't know what it will be. So if it's the third thing, I have to make sure that like, this is it, you know? Um, there's no guarantee that I will get another chance to really get hands on and touch it and massage it. I just, I'd have no idea. And um, that's always just it makes this process all the more challenging um because in my self-published stuff i know i'm giving it to a developer uh, i'm giving it to a developmental editor i know she's going to have a lot of changes and then i know that i have all this time even you know up until copy edits and and after because i'm driving the editorial process so not driving that process and knowing that it's got to be when I when I send it off, it could be it. So having Sarah's feedback being super positive is, you know, I know if I if I don't touch it anymore, <clears throat> if I leave it exactly as it is now, from the market perspective, it's probably good enough. And the challenge of you know being an artist who is selling things to a market and with a, either a big corporation or even indie stuff, like we have to focus on the market too, but. It's good enough for the market. Is it good enough for me? And the market's uh, standards aren't always my standards, you know? So, uh, but I I feel good about it. I still feel good. Like, even if I don't get to to tweak anything or change anything, if I just go through and try to do another pass for typos or or actual um, logic leaps, you know, my final pass, it will be, it has gotten a stamp of approval that it should be good enough for the market. And making that good enough for me is... um, always going to be a challenge. Um, Epigraphs. That is the thing I'm working on now. I think last week I, I, 
there was a thing I didn't want to do. And so, okay, I had settled on doing the epigraphs as um, newspaper clips. Like in, in the book, there are um, newspaper editorials that are woven in as part of the plot. Like there's a group that is, not editorials, letters to the editor. There's a group that's writing letters to the editor uh, for the newspapers and they've captured the public's imagination. And so that's part of the plot. So I was like, well, let me take clips of that and maybe I can do other newspaper clips. And I was going to do the chapter epigraphs that way. But then I started and I was like, well, these, they're not that interesting. Like, I don't want each, you know, some people are going to skip them anyway. So they're not going to be, it's not like must read, but if they're going to be there, they should add something. And I thought that the newspapers would be a way to build out the world, show perspectives from lots of different people. I'd have other letters to the editor from just common people. I would have, I had a whole list of things that I could do. And I started the research and researching like 1920s newspapers and the, this tone and style of voice. And I sat down to write it and I couldn't. And then I was like, well, it's probably, okay, it didn't feel right. It wasn't right. And then the thing I didn't want to do is probably the thing I have to do. So I did not want to do letters from the perspective of the true father. And then I was like, well, maybe because I don't want to do that, that's what I have to do. You know, I'm pushing back on them because it seems hard and I don't want to be in his head. But if I flip it, and so I am doing something different, which is not necessarily that, but I'm not going to spoil it because it's, it's something, but it's, it's not, it's hard to describe without, and I don't know if I'm going to pull it off because I haven't gotten to the end yet, but the epigraphs will be at least one, maybe two letters from a character to another character. And I want people to th think it's from one character. I might leave it ambiguous and I might not be able to leave it ambiguous. I haven't gotten to the end yet, so I don't know what's going to work, but that is what we're working with. So sometimes, and I, I, know, this, I know this from other experiences, sometimes the thing you don't want to do is the thing you have to do. And so that's where I am now. Uh, and if none of that made sense, I'm sorry, but like I'm still finding my way through it. So maybe next week I'll have more uh, cogent things to say about it. So that is basically the writing update. I am trying to get those epigraphs done in the next couple of days. And then when I get home, print out the manuscript, um, read through it again, make some tweaks, and be ready to send it off. Hope I usually am done a few days early. Like, I don't want to be still working. <clears throat> um, I don't want to be still working at the end of April. I want to and I'm also going away next weekend again, but I, I'll be able to work while I'm there. But it's it's always nice to just get to a a, a done a finishing point um, and not push push it like I have one more or two more days. Let me just do more things. I don't like doing that. I just I'll print it out, read it through, and then you know enter the changes and format it and send it. Whatever day that is, that'll be that'll be when I'm done. And now. Our special guest. So um, my brother Paul has been an actor since he graduated college. He's been working professionally, um, I don't know, 15, 16 years, something like that. And he's been in lots of stuff. You can check out his IMDb page. I'll link that too. And it's exciting because he's got some cool projects coming up. And I talked to him about his process of creating character because I thought that 
it would be cool just to get different perspectives because every, you know, a lot of different um, disciplines are involved in, in character creation and, and he has to bring a writer's words to life. So here is our conversation. All right. So Paul. <laughs> Hello. This is Paul. This is my brother. Hello. So, okay. You're an actor and you have to create characters when, um, so when you get a script, we can start with even the audition process. So that, cause it's a shortened process or do you not really create character in audition? Um, I think for auditions, yeah, you, you're creating character, but you're, a lot of it is made up, you yeah. know, like a lot of it. It's not based it, on anything. Yeah. It's not based on anything or it's based on the wrong types of things. Okay. Like you're trying to fill in gaps. Yeah. Um, too much. So, okay. When you have something that you're working with a scriptwriter, so in your case, it's a showrunner, you're, in, you're doing a TV show. And the showrunner wrote, he created all the characters. He basically is in charge of everything and writes the scripts. And it's, it's his vision. Mm-hmm. And so it's a character that existed in his mind. And then you have to visualize it and bring it to life. Yeah. And embody it. So how do you, what's the first steps that you take in terms of bringing this character to life? Um, reading the script a bunch of times. Um, what are you looking for? Well, a, a good thing to break down. I like to see what um, all the other characters say about that character mm-hmm. that's really helpful uh i like to see what the character says about themselves i like to see what they say about other people you know yeah um that can give you like good good insights into viewpoints um uh, uh tr- figuring out what they want is always sort of like the heart of it mm-hmm. um and sometimes you can, it can go really broad like um self-respect self-worth you know, uh, those big things. So the internal motivation as opposed yeah, to the external. I, th- I think the internal motivation is um, will give you a better idea of what someone will do in any situation. Mm-hmm. Whereas an external motivation is situation specific right. a lot of the time. Yeah. You know? And so when, when you're when it, for acting, I think all sorts of, of character, it's you can figure out like a clever way to say things. Oh, this is this would be interesting, mm-hmm. right? And that's sort of sometimes what auditioning for me more is. It's like, what's an interesting take on this character? Whereas when you're creating a full character, I think that it's important to, you know, like if if you go to a grocer and the grocer's like, do you want apples or oranges, right? How do you make that decision? But if you know sort of the, the overall what your character wants, you can sort of see. I mean, that's a bad example, but. Yeah, you're going from the bigger picture to the smaller picture to yeah. have the, each detail be really motivated by something. Yeah, it, it'll it'll show you how someone it'll give you a clue on how someone would behave in a situation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and I feel like that's always what, in order to have a three dimensional character, you're looking for. Does does someone give that to you? You always create it yourself. I don't think people. I, I don't think it. Well, it's, a lot of times it's not. It's I don't. I don't if I'm always creating it, but a lot of times it'll be in there somewhere. Right. You know? Um, it's not like a conversation you have, like this is this character. Well, well the, the good thing about it is if you're working on a TV show with a showrunner, you can actually do that. Okay. You know? But if you're working on like a play where the writer's dead. Oh, yeah. You know? Which is sort of how most people learn acting. Mm-hmm. You really have to create all this stuff for yourself. You have to just find it in... In, in the material. In the material. You know? And it's also good to be able to do that because if you have that skill... Of doing it yourself. I mean, two actors could come and look at the same thing and find 
different things. Right. Because you, you read a script and you find out what connects. I mean, the way you're supposed to do it as an actor, you find what connects to you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as an actor, you're always supposed to find the parts of yourself that are closest to a character, the parts of yourself that are furthest away, you know. And then when you find the, the parts that are close to you, you have a skeleton of what you can build on and then go outwards to find out how you would play something when you, when, when you wouldn't do that, you know, when mm-hmm. I wouldn't do that. Right. You can, you, you build a bridge to your care to that part of the character. <clears throat> I think that's similar to writing. Like if I have to write a character that's very, very different from myself, there has to be some sort of like thread that's similar yeah. that I can hold on to. And then, and then put myself in that person's shoes. Like the character Ella is not like me at all. Whereas Jasmine and Kiara from books one and two are more. Okay. And so writing an optimist who's like cheery sure, and like sure. extroverted is super hard. But I mean, there's times when I really like talking. I mean, I do like talking to people. Like I yes. like going to events and meeting people. And, and so even though I'm an introvert, so like grabbing onto that and then like having that be the hook. And so, okay, that little piece that I can identify with and then I can get in her head and try to project from there. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's important. Um, I also think, in order to be specific and not general, it helps to pull from 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 your life. Like I know the creator of the, of the show I'm working on now. When he wrote all the characters, mm-hmm. he wrote them all based on some actors he actually got in the project. Some were more abstract, like oh, some when he like a singer that he doesn't know, but he imagines that person. And so you find the voice. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that you you. Because it's all coming out of your brain and you see the world a certain way. Right. But you have to make sure that your characters don't see the world a certain way. Right. You know, when I, when I was on Greek, I remember when we would have costume fittings. We would never all, when, when this wonderful costume director, uh, costumes designer named Mandy Lyme, um, we would come and you could just tell automatically what was my rack. Oh, yeah. You know? Sorry, something was in my mouth. Um, based on like what you're looking at, like there's a color story. There is certain things that you would wear, like that denotes character. And then if, if you're for the last, for the no, no shade, but the last season it was like the, the you know three of the actors we would go there and Mandy wasn't there anymore, and the costume designer would be like, "Oh, you try this on. No, no, you try this on. Now you try this." Oh, the on. same thing. Yeah, and it's like, oh, like which one fits? Not really. <laughs> yeah. How. I don't know how it should work, but I feel like it shouldn't necessarily work that way. Right. Like, you know, you don't all have the same perspective. You wouldn't all wear the same thing. So that's part of the art form too. That Mandy was like, would she even read the scripts or was someone? Oh gosh, she was reading the scripts. Okay. Oh yeah, she was completely reading the scripts. I mean, you know, when you're working with really good collaborators, and I, it, writing is something because you're kind of doing it by yourself. But when you're working with collaborators, there's a, a movie set or a TV set. There's the the writer, the director, the costume designer, the production designer. You know, they're all adding elements of character mm-hmm. to it. If you have really good people, then... Um, so what if you go and you see this costume, you know, your rack, and it doesn't fit with your view of the happens character? happens all the time when you fight. <laughs> okay. You know? You, you know what I mean? And you... Yeah. And, and you like, uh, the, char- the, the show I'm working on now, I went in, and our costume designer was great. And she was definitely trying to separate me and uh, this guy who plays my cousin. And we should be separated. We're very different. But there's also a similarity there, mm-hmm. right? We're also cousins and we're close. So I was like, you know, I need to have some like some Jordans or some <laughs> Nike. You know what I mean? I had some like the, 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 the sneakers that I had were, were not what I needed, what I wanted to have. Right. And she's great. So I told her, you know, I wanted these kind of sneakers. Um, 
I wanted sneakers with higher soles for a certain point. I wanted sneakers with lower soles mm -hmm. for a certain point when my character's more grounded and when he's, you know what I mean? Things yeah. like that. Um, but it's always good to have those conversations because like today I went in for a costume fitting and I was like, what is the color story? For, for Sam and she told me I was like oh interesting I didn't realize that oh that's cool and I you know I, and, and that helps your character yeah you can take from those people yeah, their vision of it too. absolutely because we're all artists trying to do it we're, we're, there's no need to do it alone right you know you're not going to be able to think of everything yeah um, so that's a goal and sometimes I will um, what I do if I see a really interesting character you know I'll write them down okay. you know I mean I'm not going to say all these things but uh, I'll write I'll write things down like, oh, there's a character that is childlike and excitable. I'll write that down and I'll write something that reminds me of, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And then if I ever have a character that I can play, I can look at my book and be like, oh yeah, here are other aspects of a character that I can add, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, if, if my character has this trait, what are the other traits that they might have? Right. And they don't always fit, but sometimes it is helpful to, you know, to pull in from, from other people. Yeah. And then the last thing is like, okay, so you have in, um, in writing, there's this book called Gold Motivation Conflict, GMC uh -huh. by Deborah Dixon. And it, a lot of people, like everybody recommends it. It's a wonderful book. And once you learn, because I think a lot of times writers have, have trouble creating enough conflict in, in stories. That's always, that's at least that's my issue. Okay. And so conflict is supposed to arise from the goal, you know, and, and you have a goal that you want. It's mostly talking about external goals. But um, you're supposed to have an internal and an external goal. Okay. And then the, the culmination of the plot is usually the, the fulfilling of the internal goal helps you achieve your external goal. And um, Fulfilling of the internal goal. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So like in a story, um, I it's a good example, but something, I don't know. But like if, 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 if there's a character that needs to find faith in themselves, you know, that needs to believe in themselves, um, before they can, you know, slay the dragon or whatever, they have to find that inner thing. Oh, yeah, And that sure. allows them to do the external thing. Sure, sure, yeah, I understand And so, that. do you ever come into a situation where the conflict is resolved in a way that feels wrong to your character's goals or the character's... Uh, that's tough, you know. Um, well, the thing about being an actor is that you are... It's less yours than it is, than, than what... My character, creating character, is much less mine than you or right. than yours is. Yeah. You know? I'm the god of it all. Absolutely. So, um, it can happen in TV shows. In movies, it doesn't, right? Because movies, you have the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, whatever the internal goal and the external goal, they just have to match. In a TV show, you can sometimes have different opinions about as you get more scripts. Well, my character wouldn't do that. Mm -hmm. But ultimately... You can state that in whatever case and try to convince, but ultimately it's up to the writer to to do that, and you just have to yeah to find a way do to the best you can. to play that, you know. But also, TV shows as a writer's room, so a lot of times shows are written by different people. Like each episode, it could have a different yes, writer. That and is true. They're bringing something different to it. That is true, and and right, and and writer, and I think a lot of writers' rooms work different ways, mm -hmm. but ultimately the showrunner is the one that's making those decisions and, and, and sort of making them all make sense. And so they keep the cohesion there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not necessarily great with this. There are sometimes when, when I was on the show Greek, I could definitely, there were certain writers that I could be like, Oh, this is that writer, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and there are certain writers that I, I really enjoyed, you know, more, I just sort of understood more where they were coming from or, or there were certain writers that got the comedy more and then certain writers that got the drama better. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's not, 
you know, I, I feel like when I feel like you get listened to the more, the longer you've been in it, the more credits you have, the more respected you are. Okay. You know, so yeah. you, I could have a valid point about character and not get listened to as opposed to like if I was doing a movie with like Meryl Streep. I'm sure. <laughs> and every writer would just sort of defer to her. Right. But she sort of earned that, you know? Yeah. Um, That's fair. And, but, and a lot of times you don't agree. And it's just, it's different. It's different tastes. Not, it's different taste. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's like the things that, that are exciting to me. It might not be exciting to the writer. The things that are exciting to the writer might not be exciting to me. But as an actor, it's not my thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so. so there's a different aspect of the character creation process. Yeah. When it's, when it is being written as you go, like on a TV show, right? If, it, mm -hmm. if it's, if it's a, and if it's a play, now that's an interesting thing too. You know, I did a play, I did a new play where as you do it, and that's the thing about TV writing too, is as you keep going, you know, they learn your strengths and they, they tend to write, uh, they tend to write towards your strengths, write towards you. Yeah, yeah. They figure out what you can do. You see that with a lot of shows. Look at Parks and Rec is a perfect example mm -hmm. of that. As the show went on, it became better and better because they yeah. were writing to like, I don't, I haven't rewatched it, but. And Chris Pratt was always funny, but like season one, Chris Pratt is nowhere near as funny when they realize what they had in him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, everything gets heightened each time. Everything yeah. gets heightened. That's true. Um, you know, even Retta comes into her own. Aziz, like they all, as you learn them, you're able to, I think the, I think writers are able to hear that voice when they're writing. Yeah. You know, and I think that always changes it. Cool. Awesome. All right. That's it. That is it. Thank you for being on my imaginary friends. Imaginary friends. Yay. <laughs> Thanks so much for joining me. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation with my brother and I will talk to you next time. Happy reading. For episode show notes and to learn more about me and my books, go to lpenelope.com. Subscribe to my imaginary friends wherever you get your podcasts and check out the video episodes on YouTube. Please leave a rating and review to help support the show. <laughs>